chair news now. Whoa, I'll be joining a chair today. Ah, he's back. <laughs> All right, ASM. I have 15 people. Yeah, okay. Not that way. Oh. So, Miss Jen, we're live. Well, we are? Yes, we are. <laughs> Sorry, man. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Nerd News Now, New York Comic Con edition, in which one of us is sleep-deprived and has part of a voice. <laughs> uh, and then there's Miss Jen. <laughs> mm -hmm. Kyle, Kyle will be joining us after he gets done with his fancy-dancy dinner with famous people. Yeah, and refuses to let us talk to the famous people. Thanks, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> We want those secrets too, Kyle. Okay, yeah. so let's let's talk about what's going on uh, for kind of like big news. Um, I think that the things I heard the most about while I was at the con was the announcement that Saga is coming back in uh, January. I believe that was the biggest news out of uh, New York. I mean, they, they trumped everything else. Uh, they could have handed out bars of gold to everybody and that news would have been like yeah forget the gold we'll take that news <laughs> it's funny because we've been waiting for how long what how long has the hiatus been at least two years yeah it's coming by two years uh and uh to be honest it actually fell out of my radar you know i, I completely forgot about saga and i'm sure most people did as well so it's it's it was just oh my god that's what the news took you know it it, it hit like a bullet train Everybody yeah. just forgot about it. Because it was three, three years. It was yeah. now a year before pandemic started. Was it really? Yeah, it was uh, 2018. Mm -hmm. It's going to be well, interesting order, but we have plenty of time between this announcement and when it releases to, to kind of like round up the people that would be normally on this book, right? The people that were on their polls. We have to make sure they're still, you know, interested. And then... Uh, See how many people will get to start reading this thing because it's so stinking good. Uh, boy, do you know anybody who would not still be interested that was reading it previously? <laughs> I mean, well, I'm just kind of thinking about like maybe people have kind of um, moved away from comics. Maybe True. they're in the military and can't get them. You know, like just I'm mostly about people that just aren't in town anymore. <laughs> but yeah, I just can't imagine. Anyone being into Saga and then all of a sudden not being into Saga. That doesn't make any sense. You know, that is still one of my biggest regrets. Selling my copy of Saga thinking, hey, I'll get another copy of it. No worries. <laughs> Never got that book replaced. As far as I know, I think one of our mutual friends still has a sealed case of number ones. Wouldn't surprise me. Um, initials DB? I believe so. Wouldn't it surprise me I, I at all. It's changed, so I just assume it's still there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, it was a really interesting convention this year because normally I believe the amount of people that are there is like 250,000. There are ticket holders. And this year it was 160. 
which for me actually is nice. I liked I liked the less crowded nature of it, but I'm sure it was harder on the people that were trying to make money there. It, how is the space? Well, 160,000 is nothing to you know. Cough at. That's that's still a lot of people. But how is the spacing? Did they space the booths uh, uh, close to each other like they normally do, or so it was just like a normal con? Uh, so the aisles were were wider, and I think they could do that because there was no. I don't believe them. I know that Marvel and DC weren't there, and I think there were some other people that passed on having bo- big booths. So those spaces uh, were taken over by, and I, I I think that there was another big big company that kind of like move their stuff around it was biz but uh the people that kind of like stepped up this year were uh aftershock had a huge booth source point press had a huge booth scout had a big booth there there were some people that got to shine because uh they didn't have you know people in the way mm-hmm. interesting thing to see to have have you know like th- these companies are brand names that we recognize but it might have not have been everybody else's uh first choice now it got them a chance to get in people's face yeah because you know they're, they're small publishers and small publishers get uh you know they get swallowed up in the big cons uh it's always you know marvel dc mattel and all those guys have big booths and you know they they kind of overshine all the small publishers so that's good to hear that's good to hear that these guys got yeah, yeah, that that much exposure, uh, and they deserve it. They they're putting on some really great books. Uh, and for those of you who caught Miss Jen's show prior to this, you would have uh, seen all the goodies they had there too. Yeah, there was a lot of there. There were people pretty excited about uh, the stuff that was going on for offerings as far as exclusives were involved this year. Nice. So, what else do we have outside of uh, Saga? Anything else? I know that they showed, uh, as I think it's a surprise for the panel, the panel on uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. They actually showed the movie at the con. The entire movie. Mm-hmm. I, I saw Mark light up. He was like, oh, and I missed it. <laughs> it was weird. I think it was the first con I've been to, and I can't remember how long. That other than when people told me about what happened in a panel, I didn't know what panels there were this year. I don't. I don't know if you asked me if who the famous people were that were there that were not comic book related. If I could tell you honestly. And were there were there celebrities there? Was it or was this like a true con? Was it? Well, I guess they are regular cons, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, they have to have been famous people there, but to me the cool part was hanging around down in artist alley they it felt much bigger this year i don't know if that's true but you know like kate's and stegman and um scott snyder and there was a there were some pretty gigantic names down there uh, I, I thought mark was going to say something my apologies <laughs> so I paused. how you doing mark I'm doing okay. So you survived New York, all right? Well, I mean, I don't have all my voice. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one one thing about it is that normally, when you're at a convention, especially when you're doing interviews, you bring a mic with you, right? You just hand it back and forth. No big deal. When you're at a convention in which everybody's masked, you have a central mic, and you have to yell at each other 
you can't see each other's lips and you just like you you it, you really lose your voice much faster like even in your like normal everyday conversation mm-hmm. people are like hey how are you doing you have to yell at them because <laughs> there's just like there's a lot of background noise at a con right yeah i guess this con was the one where i yelled at people Hmm. I mean, yeah, any kind of a event with background noises, you always feel like you have to overcompensate, and then you're like, what happened with my voice? Especially concerts. It was just, oh, yeah. yeah. Did you? I know this is the second week of release, but did you guys go see uh, Venom? No, I have not. Um. um. And, you know, to top it off, Black, uh, Black Widow just came on uh, Disney Plus, and I still haven't had an opportunity to watch that. Gotta get you to sit down and watch some movies. Uh, yeah, this this weekend was a little weird. In fact, yesterday, I, I felt a little under the weather, so I just, you know, kicked back for a little while. My my wife's actually, uh, she's got the cold, so. Oh. And, yeah. oh. And, uh, it's funny, like, in, in most households, uh, when the father gets sick, everything, all, all the wheels still turn as you know, close to mm-hmm. normal as possible. Yep. Yep. When the mother gets sick, man, everything derails. <laughs> so true. Right? Um, but, yeah, beyond that, um, I'll probably try to watch it tonight or tomorrow. Hopefully, you know, get caught up on uh, my Marvel stuff. I did get caught up on um, What If? Oh, yeah? Oh, man. The last episode. I liked. I heard that, that it kind of ties stuff together. Uh, to a certain extent, yes. It, it, fill, it fills out some gaps. Um, one thing I did like about it was the, the Ultron story they used. It's more true to Age of Ultron than what they tried to do in the Marvel Universe originally. So. Um, oh. Do we get Jocasta? You'll find out. Oh, <laughs> I have to watch it because that tells me maybe. <laughs> How about yourself, Mark? What? Well, uh, as far as the, oh no, not caught up on anything. But really? with what if? So what if they just aired what the ninth episode, and that's going to be what eighteen plans? So they're taking. A break, I guess this is like a season 1A and 1B type thing. Basically, yes. Um, yeah, and I've been very impressed with that. Like that, it, it's definitely exceeded my expectations. When we originally heard about it, uh, you know, it seemed like that they were going all in with it because they have the uh, the cast from the movies for the most part, right? But everyone was mostly signed on. I, I mean, I think I remember saying like, 40 voice actors names and uh the one thing we were wondering is are they going to do what if comic stories or just mcu stuff and it looks like for the you know they're sticking with mcu stuff but kind of taking moments that happen and branching out into what would happen if they used more comic faithful um you know inter- interpretations so while we haven't really got the comic book stuff yet um, we, I mean, we haven't got zombies and things like that, so we'll see. <laughs> we'll see, you know, exactly how much more of that happens, though. 
Um, so I'm assuming you neither one of you watched The Last of Us. <laughs> no, no, I'm behind. I'm behind on everything. Like I finally, I finally got to start watching uh, Doom Patrol season three today, which is uh, not uh, Disney Plus nor Marvel, but I'm just uh, I've been playing catch up all over, and I'm ready for all these movies to uh, go digital. I know that goes against the whole box office Hollywood thing. But I'm ready to catch up on this stuff and uh, have not wanted to go to the theater yet. So <laughs> I'm I'm, just, I'm ready to be able to watch this stuff digitally. Well, you and I are on the same boat. Uh, speaking of theaters, I, I did you get to sneak away and watch uh, uh, Mr. Bond this weekend, Miss Jen, or is that uh, on the docket for coming out? Well, I've, I've got a very, very close friend. That that's kind of our thing. And she was pretty heartbroken when she knew it was going to be gone this weekend. And I told her, I'm not watching this film without you. So hopefully I'll get to watch it this weekend with her. Nice. Yeah, I heard that broke uh, box office. Box off, but... mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it also broke my ability to speech. <laughs> uh, yeah, I heard it broke box office. Oh, my God. <laughs> Let me see if I can try this a third time. I heard it broke box office records. <laughs> say that ten times fast. <laughs> okay. I'm glad I was able to say it once in three attempts. <laughs> well, Mark, our statistic guy, do we have uh, any stats for this box office for this weekend? Yeah, um, and, and I was trying to figure out which uh, box office records that it might have broken, I guess, for a non-comic book slash uh, non-Fast and the Furious movie, maybe. But it uh, it won the box office with uh, $56 million, which, depending on who you ask, is either uh, really good or a complete and utter disappointment, right? Because, like, they had a lot riding on this. This was the... Uh, this was the one movie I just remember over and over, and this was at Miss Jen's expense of it just being pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. Like I think probably the the most major movie with the most dates that had to end up being, you know, canceled and moved, canceled and moved. So they obviously uh, were hoping for a really big score, and I think it threw everyone off last week that Venom made ninety point uh, two million. I think that really came as a shock. So they were probably honestly hoping for a lot more for uh, Daniel Craig's last go at James Bond. But it made $56 million and then uh, And then probably more impressively than that was the fact that Venom Let the Recarnage uh, came in with another uh, $32 million. Yep. So, uh, and then rounding out the top three was Adam's Family with... 10 million uh and that was actually adam's family too and i don't remember when the first animated um one came out i guess it was probably two or three years ago uh and then you know somewhere in there was uh i think shang chi was fourth which is the lowest but it also crossed i think the 220 million domestic barrier and then they're calling sopranos a failure but it's on hbo max so i don't like this fact that like they keep I mean, I, I get box office numbers, and I get that's important, but it's like, if it's on both, of course the box office is going to be significantly less, especially when you're already paying 
for a service like HBO Max. Like, you shouldn't fault the movie or fault the fans or fault the industry if people are staying home and watching it and the safety of their homes went for free or, you know, for free in quotes that they're already paying for the service anyway. Um, but no, it, it, and but back to the movie, um, I think 56 million is a great turnout for a film like this. And uh, also, it's um, it's at 88%, which I think is probably, if I recall, I think that's like the third highest rated Daniel Craig Bond movie. Um, and I think Rotten Tomatoes has Skyfall totally wrong, being only a 92. I think Skyfall uh, is at least a 99, and I can say that with confidence because that's the only Bond movie I've never fallen asleep in. Oh, wow. It's my my, my favorite by far. Really, that's good to hear because I always thought like like I I was just never really into a Bond movie until that one. Now now, fairness, I've seen like half of all the different actors' movies. So I've seen like half the Brosnan movies, half the Craig movies, half the Connery movies. Um, so I haven't even seen Casino Royale, which is his top right as far as you know ratings and uh, wise, but and and just but. I, uh, Skyfall to me is just way different. It's kind of like, so on one of my podcasts now, we're, it's a Birds of Prey podcast, but we've gone through volume one. We're about to go to volume two. So in between, just for fun, we're doing the Batman Hush storyline because that has Huntress and Oracle in it. And I'm reading that going, oh, wait a minute. This is why people like Batman. Because I've never read anything I like, like I like the character Batman in. And I feel like Skyfall was the hush for James Bond. Like that it's kind of like, oh wait. Oh now okay. Now I get it. But but then but then I tried to watch uh what was the one after Skyfall, Miss Jen? Uh that is um Spectre. That one did not like live up to my expectation my new expectations for bond but then but then if i look at rotten tomatoes apparently it just wasn't <laughs> overall very well received so i wonder why because it does bring us back blowfell uh i don't know and you know i it's and as far as like this current one goes i mean people have been waiting for it so long i would have expected a lower rotten tomato score just because people were miffed that they had to wait so long but the fact that it's an 88 to start i think is good and i know you'll enjoy it as a bond fan so um are you ready for a new bond like is it time for daniel craig to move on I think he's ready. I don't ever want to make someone stay longer than they're comfortable with doing it or feel inspired to do a part. I'm not chomping to the bit for another one because I really like Daniel. But, but um, I'm I'm pretty open to anybody as long as they take it seriously, if that makes sense. I'm voting for Carrot Head. What? I think he'll make a great James Bond. Okay. um so yeah i here's the thing if like a lot of the people want uh henry cavill right now if it were to be henry cavill would they have him sign a a no mustache clause Ooh, ouch (laughs) 
Because I don't see them like using the digital budget on a Bond movie to just digitally remove that thing all the time. That would be funny. I'm, I'm not sure if I would see him as a good Bond. I, I, I can't picture him as Bond. Okay, what about Steve Carell? Wouldn't that be hilarious if they got an American actor to play Bond? There'd be, there'd be such an uproar. Um, I would like Bond. Uh, he, he played... Um, Agent Smart, right? <laughs> I, I was mostly just taking a, a shot at it because it would kind of be like... I think if they were to ever cast an American Bond or an American Doctor Who, that we would just we would just be completely unforgiven. As Hollywood and as Americans and everything. You know, Doctor Who might be the only character that can get away with it, actually casting an American, uh, even for one season. Yeah, I mean, the, the well, we wouldn't are... care, but I, I'm sure you would have a lot of Whovians that, <laughs> that would care. <laughs> true. Yeah, uh, true. Won't argue with you there. That's because uh, we don't have Bond boosts over here for like the last 30 years. So who's your vote for Bond, uh, Mark? I think Henry Cavill would be good, but I would, I, I would almost... Uh, <sighs> I think that I would probably go for an unknown. I'd give someone else a chance, you know, so, someone new a chance to to sign like a, a three movie deal. What I would like to see, this could probably, you know, bring someone me like me into it who would be there going in for like the story. I would like to see a three movie arc. And and I, I guess that I don't know if that would go against what Bond stands for, like one mission at a time or whatever. But it'd be interesting to see a three movie arc, like a nine hour Bond story, but you just, you know split over three movies. No, <laughs> no, you can't do it. Okay. I'm... Essentially, what you've got with Daniel Craig's stuff, all of his, all of those movies are seamlessly put together. Like where one ends, the next one starts. If you watch them all end to end, it'll make your brain explode but it doesn't seem that it was planned that way though was it planned that i mean was it planned that way like but was it planned that way 15 years ago it was okay i don't know <laughs> I, I thought he was only going to do one or two movies then they were supposed to be prequels so in fact that it's... every single time from like i think the second one on when they asked him if he was going to do if he was going to do them, do another one, he would always say F no. I started to translate that to mean, yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah, this time it looks like uh, that's it. He's done. So that's, uh, he had a good run too. Yeah, I can't argue that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I guess there's not, uh, what are the other, franchises like that out there i mean there's no competition for bond which sort of you know basically every few years you'll get like a spy movie but they don't ever keep going well bond's just established that way i mean it's been around since what 50s 60s um it's you know they can and they've again this is the same as doctor who they've kept it going with um good storytelling and a good uh, uh, 
actors uh, you know, leading the way. So it's the, like you said, there's there's no other franchise that can do that. There hasn't been anything established that can do that. Uh, maybe they can do that with um, uh, the Matrix. You know, keep going with the um, trilogies, coming out with new characters and whatnot. I guess you can say that with Star Wars as well. But it, yeah, it's you, a, Jason Bourne's probably as close as we can get. But what, what was the last Jason Bourne we had? It was 10 years ago? 12 years ago? Too long. I miss those. Those were really good. Because that was where the kind of like that gritty fighting style that they started with, with Daniel and the first one for Casino Royale. It's where I felt like it came from. Oh, let's not forget Mission Impossible. Yeah. <laughs> that is a franchise they've kept going for quite long. So that, that might compete, but yeah, it's not a Bond movie, though. You're right. I say, uh, I say, keep making Johnny English for like twenty more movies. Johnny English, with with, with uh, Rowan Atkinson. Yes. Or just make Rowan Atkinson James Bond. That's fine. I'm fine with that too. <laughs> right. What, what What would you What would y'all think about um, someone coming on to do? And they might have already done this. I don't know. Um, and it could involve spoilers for the new one. Who knows? But like. What if they just brought in an, an older actor to do just one Bond movie? Like, kind of like a Bond, you know, a Bond version of, like, Old Man Logan. What about that? Do you think they would ever do that? Or would it have to be someone who it was, like, their fifth or sixth movie? They would just pick an older actor. Go back from back to a to an original actor and bring him back? Well, that would be cool. I, I mean that that would probably be the the, the best idea of it, but uh, I would I just would like to see Bond sort of uh, reimagined a little bit, or or maybe like take more of a risk where maybe it's not going to turn out okay this time. <laughs> I know for a long time they were poking around at Idris Elba for the part, but I don't I don't know if they ever. If, I, if you've heard any more about that being kind of a rumor. I think that went on so long. He was like, said like, hey, I'm just, you know, I don't know if uh, that's for me or whatever. So if he was interested, I, I would anoint him as Bond immediately. But that rumor got kicked around so long. I think uh, if it were to happen, it would have happened by now. Do they have like a, a Bond naming day? Is that like a holiday over there? Like, are they going to, like, when they name Bond, are they going to have it make it, like, a three-day event? Or do they just sort of, like, casually announce yeah. it on, like, page five of the Daily Mail or something? Who knows? I hope they make a big deal, because those guys usually get knighted. Well, I mean, they should. Whatever, whatever big convention is up at that time, whenever that happens, like, I doubt they would wait till next year just to announce it at San Diego Comic-Con, but it'd be nice to see the Bond fandom get, you know, um, their share of a convention as far as, you know, it'd be like an event. Like, it should be an event. Yeah, I that's, think a, should, that's a big role. I, I don't think they should announce who the next Bond is. Just throw out a trailer randomly. Yeah. Uh, and just, you know, it's like, here's your new Bond. Nobody the knows idea. who it is, so. Yeah, the i the idea being, if you know who Double O Seven is, he's doing a really bad job as a spy, right? 
Right. <laughs> so maybe they should just have the new movie with like Bond, and then it's and it's almost like a Where's Waldo. Like you have to find out who <laughs> James Bond is. Like you have to find 007 within that two hours, and the movie ends, and then like everyone has all these different theories about who's Bond and why, almost like Memento or something. That's hilarious. We who who would be the most ridiculous choice for? If they were going to really not, I'm going to use ridiculous. That's not a good word. I'm pretty sure Carrot Top, which was already said. Yeah, right? I was about to say well, <laughs> Carrot Top would be. What would be the most different? I don't want to say, like, where could they go that would be so different? So you mean something that will work, but we wouldn't expect it? Yes. Well, uh, okay, look, I know this is not possible. Um, Yeah, that's too far fetched because it won't, it'll never happen. Uh, but you know, maybe a female Bond, but it, it won't happen. So, um, no, I think they've said. I think that um, the state said that it's just not. I mean, they're, they're open to a lot of stuff, but James Bond is male. Yeah, and they could do a 006 or 005 or whatever as a female. Yeah, like how come they haven't done that? Like a 008. I, I, Miss Jenna, here's one. So we're staying within like the uh, the universe and their their archetype or whatever. How about this? What about uh, multiple bonds? What about Daniel Craig, Pierce Brosnan, and a new bond? And there's three bonds at once. Yeah. I mean, well, 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 you were saying you were saying something you're not expecting. That that would be something yeah. I'm not expecting. Just sort of like Doctor Who, the three doctors, something like that. You know, and, and understanding that, like, well, Bond's really a moniker. So I never know about Bond. Like, am I supposed to think that Sean Connery is Pierce Brosnan, and Pierce Brosnan is Daniel Craig, or is it like, is it a moniker? Because if it's just a moniker, you could do that. But if I'm supposed to think that it's been the same Bond for 40-something movies, then, I mean, that can't happen, right? So which one is it? Am I supposed to think it's the same Bond, or is it a different... Has it been different people? I think we're just supposed to think to ourselves, oh, we don't notice that it's a different person. Okay, so 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 I guess really going outside the box then, um, alternate timelines... Let's just open it up. Let's just open it up. You're yeah, way too deep into the Marvel universe now, my friend. <laughs> well, she well she she asked for something that we weren't expecting. So uh, I, uh, I mean, if I think she was still looking for something realistic. But honestly, uh, well, I think it would be very realistic to have a female Bond. But I guess if if the state said no, I mean, that's kind of one weird, but two okay. <laughs> But they they could do a 008 as a female one. Yeah, I, they, yeah. I don't see that not working out. So, uh, yeah. I, mean, I, I can understand like, where you see not just like because they've had it before where they've had one other double O, right? That's as far as they've really gone. The one guy that betrayed them or whatever. I don't I don't understand why we never see all of them together. Like, could there be something so epic that it would have to bring them together? See, I thought that's what this one, I mean, you know, again, no spoilers, I haven't seen it, but uh, I thought, I kind of thought that's what this one was going to be, because those rumors were floating around out there. 
Okay, here's here's one more outside the box idea for Bond fans. Okay, what about from the perspective of Money Penny? What about a what about what about a movie from a different someone who's not Bond but's always in the Bond universe? Now, uh, Dynamite Comics has got a really good set of uh, books that are from Felix's point of view, and they're amazing. Yeah, I mean, some, I mean, something like that, and that's you know, without without going you know too crazy and having mm-hmm. James Bond you know find the Infinity Gauntlet and open up all the universes, then I mean that that would be it would be a fresh take, I think. But wh- how how come there's never been a Bond spinoff? Yeah, right. Like, I wouldn't it be fun to have like a, a show that's just Q or M? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It would be. Uh, I, I think they might have done it. I, maybe I'm wrong, but they might have done an animated series or maybe a comic book where Q works for other characters. I have to. I have to look into that. But something tells me there was a series, some kind of a series where Q does have. Uh, maybe it's just my imagination. I'll look into that. I just think back to my childhood and I can remember being very young being in the movie theater and watching those opening sequences and thinking looking over at my parents and being like going, am I going to be in trouble right now? (laughs) (laughs) It's a different era of movies I think. And uh, well it's also we don't really have anything like that um you know, from uh, an American standpoint of, uh, I can't think of one anyway, uh, like, just even the theme song being a big deal each and every time. And you're almost, like, annoyed in a certain way, too, if you're the artist that is picked to sing the Bond, you know, theme song. Because it's an original for each movie, usually based on the title, right? And uh, I don't think we have anything like that. Like I don't, there's not a Fast and Furious ballad because if there was, that would be like, that would be the thing. I mean, we do have we do have iconic uh, theme songs, not not that ch- something that changes every time, but you know, again, Star Wars, that it, it, the first few right. notes you know exactly it's Star Wars. Right. But but that's the thing is like you know what it is, like, you know, Bond's different every time, and it's like. It's always, you know, just this elite musical artist uh, doing that. So I just think it's hilarious that one of the best ones, like, was written in no time at all. I think people were so mad at Sam for saying that because <laughs> he won he won an award for the song. Which one was that? Um, for um, gosh, what is the name of the song? Well, who's? Oh, go ahead. Rainy's on it. Uh, who, who, who is the artist? Who is Sam, though? Um, I can't think of his full name. I can't look it up on my thing. Okay. Do you want me to look it up? I'm actually doing something else, but I can look it up if you want. 
Oh, Sam Smith, Writings on the Wall from Spectre. Yes. Thank you. That's it. So back to so what what was your thoughts on the on Spectre? Because that is like I think one of the lower rated Bond films. I I like I mean I'm not gonna like it ever any more than I like Skyfall, but right. Sure, I I like the going back and getting Bond an even more painful childhood if it's possible, where they go back and really show you they do take damaged people. To become agents. Like, yeah. They pulled him out of, you know, his having no parents and realized he was raised by his arch enemy. And I think that that storyline is used in a lot of franchises and movies, right? Um, going back to, and not necessarily like that he's damaged from it, but. You know Harry Potter's situation, and then even something like in the in the theme of Bond, but on a much more, um, am I going to be in trouble for watching this scale? And the uh, the Kingsman, the Kingsman is a movie where it's like you were looking around the theater going, "Am I going to be in trouble for watching this?" Like even if you're forty, because <laughs> I I don't know if either of you have seen both both the the Kingsman and Kingsman Golden Circle, but. Uh, Hey, yikes! They push stuff to the max on that <laughs> on that franchise. I mean, based on who wrote based on who wrote the comic, it's like no surprise, right? But it's like it is wild. I can't, and I can't wait for that pre that prequel has been that's probably been pushed back like second most from yeah. movies I keep hearing about. It's like The King's Man or whatever. Like I have no idea what the status on that is, but that has been supposed to have come out for a long time. Because Black Widow had it for a long time. Black Widow had what? Like it had been pushed off for so long. Yeah. Then Bond became the champion of we're going to make it. <laughs> yeah and i wonder i mean i wonder under normal circumstances what box office they would have been happy with because uh, again i think 56 is really good but then it, as movie executives are probably still scratching their head that venom got like 90 something i mean that to me that's still because um the first one even among comic book fans, it was kind of uh, divisive, not in a controversial way, just in the like, oh, okay, that movie happened. But okay. then, but then, it's so I, I didn't really think anyone was super excited for part two, even though fans have been wanting Carnage forever. Well, and and Carnage, I'll go ahead. I like it because they stuck the landing. So, yeah, they, there's, I mean, there's some brutal language and violence in it. They, it, However funny it is, the interaction between Eddie and Venom, which I love the slapstick of all that, where it's just like, it's the destruction zone anywhere they go. But the the whole, like, you know, movie movies when you say, you know what, you should, you know, do this specific thing so that you can keep characters around for whatever. And the people that wrote it say, F that. <laughs> I'm going to do what I want. Yeah, and the other thing that no one ever considers is 
Venom can be in an R-rated movie, but I don't know if Spider-Man can be in an R-rated movie. Right? So if you're going to do this, if you're going to do the Carnage storyline and have him in an R-rated movie, knock it out now. Just knock it out now because I don't... That's what people don't... You know, they want to see... They want their cake and they want to eat it too, just like everything else in life. But it's like, you want Deadpool and you want Spider-Man. Disney's not going to put Tom Holland in a rated R movie. I'm sorry. They're just not going to do it. It's not. So I think that for this extreme stuff, just be happy, you know, that it's rated R. They could do a Spider-Man story rated R where they actually kill off Peter Parker and bring in Miles Morales as a... the primary Spider-Man. They can they can take that really bloody. They can, I, I, if you read the book, you, you see how he gets beat up, and they can yeah. really, they can you know, and that would really get a rated R movie, and that fans might watch. I don't I don't see it happening, but that's a very good possibility if they want to do take that uh, the Spider-Man franchise into that and into that realm and have basically Venom show up as well. Like they could have Venom beat up Spider-Man to pulp, and well, we'll see. We'll we'll end up saying by the time Christmas gets here what you know the box office is like and what Spider-Man No Way Home does. But I just don't think they're going to use characters that could get two hundred million in one weekend on a rated R movie. I just even. Even the success that Deadpool started a few years back by going, oh wait, rated R movies can make this money, this much money. That 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 parameter is set more like at a hundred million. There hasn't been a rated R movie that's <laughs> gotten like two hundred, two forty, two fifty. So, I mean, well, you just you cut out half the audience when you do that. I think we're also living in a time where rated R isn't what rated R used to be. You know, uh, I, right? To be honest, where Kids can watch much worse than that on YouTube, and YouTube's supposed to be very conservative as well. But you know, um, and I don't think a lot of parents nowadays are being as protective as they used to be about kids watching the movies they're watching. Uh, you know, we've we've seen it where kids have gone, you know, where kids have come into our stores where they they just watch Deadpool. You know, for us, it's a shock. To the parents, like, oh, you know, it's just Deadpool. It's, and I'm not sure if the R rating is really what it used to be. So, to see, I agree with that Disney won't do it, but to see Sony possibly do it, I, I think there, there, there is a market there for them. They could take uh, Spider-Man to that. Uh, I don't know what I think they only have Spider-Man related, right? Mm-hmm. Or if they do Silver Sable, they can do Silver Sable as a as a rated R movie as well. And that's another movie that we've been hearing about forever: Black Cat and Silver Sable. And I haven't heard any updates on that. Because yeah. <laughs> Sony, you know, Sony right now is limited to we get to play with stuff out of the Marvel sandbox in Spider-Man movies, but that's it. And then everything else. We just have to, you know, make within the Spider-Man universe of characters that we have. So, while I would love to see a Black Cat movie, I don't know if that works to the the max potential without Spider-Man. 
Same, the same same thing with Venom. Like I'll be interested to see with Venom three what you know happens. Like are they going to still keep doing this within their own universe, or are you going to open it up? I just I don't know. I just think yes. I'd rather see like Venom on the Thunderbolts or something like that than you know another Venom movie where it's just like oh I just gotta kick it around with the with these other symbiote characters because I'm not allowed to play with anyone else. And I agree with you. You know how how far will fans last? How long will those fans last? There there's still that in in the back of most fans' minds. There's still that anticipation that Spider-Man will show up in a Venom movie. There really is no Venom without Spider-Man. And are they willing to go three movies or four movies without them actually, you know, duking it out? Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. It, 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 I don't, me personally, I do want to see Spider-Man versus uh, Venom. I'm sure a lot of other people do as well. And I'm not sure if I'm wanting to wait another two or three um, movies on top of the one and two that are already out. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll just tell you both. You should stay for the after credits. Ah, I mean, I'll get to watch that movie eventually. <laughs> you know, someone else had mentioned that to me, and I just said, like, as immediately and nonchalantly as I could, like, is Tom Holland in there? And then they they just go. So, <laughs> I, I I'm imagining that he's I'm imagining that he's not. I will be pleasantly surprised and completely shocked. If he's in there, that's what I want. That's the end credit I want. It could be like the craziest, most wildest end credits of all time. But if he's not physically in there, like, you know, I, I don't know. We'll see. Well, I mean, but, he, could, he could be in there just walking by. You never know. <laughs> I, I just don't. Well, talking about, you know, I, I just. I don't see a world where. Spider-Man as Tom Holland Spider-Man specifically gets to be in a Venom movie for at least like 60 minutes. But I could be wrong, but I just think that they're going to have to open up their, I guess, policy of what characters can be in Sony movies for to, to keep feeding Sony. Like Sony's going to have to be like, Hey, we've stuck to the plan so far. We really appreciate, you know, being able to use Happy Hogan, but can we have someone else to play with now? <laughs> like we need, like, and, you know, and they got Robert Downey Jr. Right, like it was awesome. Like it's been great. The Spider-Man movies have been fantastic, but outside of that, what are they being given? I, I think another thing that we've been sort of denied and been, you know, it, it was pumped up and then we never heard about it, but we know it's done is Morbius. I think Morbius is going to tell us a lot about can you self-sustain take the spider-man characters that you have you know on your roster and make a meaningful movie with them but then at some point you can't just have okay here comes morbius 2 and now venom 3 and now morbius 3 and now venom 4 like you gotta i don't know that they like i guess i guess what i'm saying is this do people want to see a madam web movie because that's been thrown out there a lot. So, if it's a well written, Madam Well Web movie, maybe um, you know there, there's still that's uh, there's still a few very good Spider-Man arcs that don't revolve around Spider-Man that could work as well. 
yeah, maybe they maybe they do a Flash Thompson movie. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, the another big question is, who has Spider Woman? Like, where is Jessica Drew? Like, where? Well, she was an Avenger, if I remember correctly, prior to being a Spider Man character. Um, but well, what's interesting is why Kingpin's not in there. Why Punisher's not in that uh, same universe? You know, they 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 were introduced in Spider Man. Why is Morbius there and not those two characters? Um, so it, I, we don't know the details of the the contract that Sony and uh, Marvel signed back then. So, right. Did you guys see the uh, new um, featurette that Marvel released for the Eternals? It makes it seem much more important the way that it was presented instead of the trailer. It's going to be important. I think it's going to be important. I don't think they would do this. Um, at first, I was thinking, oh, the Eternals are going to be the next Guardians of the Galaxy, but it might actually be bigger than that because Guardians of the Galaxy are going to be end up being more of a comic relief. You know, Eternals, um, I don't know exactly what comic story arcs they're going with because I'm just not familiar with the Eternals, which is why I'm probably really excited about it right because then your possibilities are like open as a fan like okay show me what you got as far as this goes um but they're definitely going to be playing with um you know the the whole the whole thing of hey you're allowed to be here but you can't interfere and and like okay we won't interfere and then they interfere so we'll we'll, we'll see what happens i have high hopes for that though for the Eternals as a as a film and and then also just moving the ball forward as far as uh, what type of stories they can tell, I think. Yeah. On, on the other hand, it could be the biggest flop they have. Uh, and if they're <laughs> they're writing everything on Eternals, it, it could backfire. Not saying it would, and I'm hoping it won't because you know I am looking forward to it. So we'll see. Uh, right. But there's that possibility as well. Uh, you know. Uh, like you mentioned, not even us. You know, I don't know how much Miss Jen knows about it. Uh, I don't know very much about the Eternals. I, I I still haven't read that much, so um, we don't know what to expect. We don't know where it's going to go, and that might be a downfall of it as well. Uh, where we know what Sp- who Spider Man is, we know who Iron Man is, we know who Hulk is, and everything. We don't know anything about this, and it, it could be a huge bomb. But you know, at the same time, a lot of people didn't know who Shang Chi was either prior to. The movie coming out and look, look at how that turned out right so there there are several possibilities i just don't want to i don't want to have my hopes up so high that when it comes out yeah i'm i'm let down to the point where like oh well there goes a marvel universe let's uh move on let's see what dc's doing no <laughs> how, how bad would it have to be for you to do that like it has to be really bad <laughs> There's history. <laughs> I mean, it would have to be real bad. Now, I I can finally say for once that I am uh, I am intrigued in what DC's doing because I really am interested in the tone of the the, uh, the Black Adam movie and the fact that you know Rock is the lead in that, but also just, it's going to be anti-hero and then you're going to get some classic, uh, characters like Dr. Fate and Hawkman. And then the Batgirl movies, anyone's guess what the heck that's going to be about or how, what tone they're going with. What's what, 
what arc it seems like they might be going like new 52 Batgirl, but there's no way there's no way to tell. And then, um, you know, I, Aquaman was um, more engaging than I thought it was going to be. So it'll be interesting to see what direction that goes. And then Shazam was like fun. Whereas like Batman versus Superman just felt like torture. But Shazam was like just fun to sit through. <laughs> so I'm I'm I am actually interested. And uh, as a nerd, I don't think like I've ever once thought like, oh, I have to pick DC or Marvel. But it's always naturally been Marvel. I mean, for for me. Um, but but I watch so much stuff that I'm open to both universes. It's just like DC is just now getting to that point where I'm kind of like paying attention. Hey, what's what's going on over there? I do kind of. I'm I'm intrigued. Like those movies I just mentioned. Like I could care less for another Justice League movie, or even Superman movie at this point. But I want to see what they're doing with these other characters. Hopefully getting rid of those plastic uh, uh, costumes there. <laughs> did, did they not learn that? Did they not learn that from Batman and Robin? And from, from all the, the countless memes we've seen about, like, George Clooney's, you know, plastic outfit and stuff? Like, what is going on? Why, why, why do some of the Justice League members look like they're wearing costumes from Party City? Right. Like, that should not be a thing. I mean, did did they do that specifically so they could have like higher Halloween sales at Party City to to counter the low box office turnout when people go on Rotten Tomatoes to see what a disappointment the films are? Like, yeah. I I don't I don't get it. I don't think their licensing is uh, paying them that much money to. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, but it's yeah, it's. Yeah, it's yeah. odd. I think I think we're also spoiled as fans in this day and age. Even though cons have taken a hit with the uh, pandemic, I think we're very spoiled. The quality of cosplay that's out there and, and stuff people can do in their garages or in their spare bedrooms is like incredible. So so I should be blown away by costumes from a movie with a two hundred million dollar budget, and you're just not always. It's yeah, not. Just, uh, you know, yeah, we see we see them with the plastic emblems on top of a T-shirt, and it's like, what's going on here? Uh, it's it's understandable when you're introducing a character. You know, hey, this is how I made my original costume. But by the end of the film, they better have a really nice costume, and <laughs> they just don't. Uh, you know, I'm when I saw the Black Adam originally, I was like, they took the Shazam costume and just recolored it and changed the little emblem and. You still see that plastic sign right there. It's it's. Ah, they'll learn, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Or maybe they won't. They probably won't. But, but I, I do agree with you, Mark. I, I am uh, I am intrigued by, but more again. And this has been me from a very long time. DC knows what they're doing on a silver screen. They are now learning how to make better movies on. Uh, I shouldn't say that, but yeah, you know, that kind of sounds uh, condescending. But uh, how to make better movies? And they, it, it's they have a lot of catching up to do. Unfortunately, Disney and Marvel have done a great job of doing superhero movies, where DC's just it, it, it pales far, far, far behind. Unfortunately, 
But what I really, really want to see is Marvel doing cross-gen movies, Miss Jen. What? I want to see them make cross-gen movies. Uh, the cross-gen universe, Mystic, and uh, those. Do, I think that's a great universe they can bring in. Or even animated series, you know, they can bring that in and uh, they'll be great. Uh, well, Rainy, I think they have a, a great opportunity with Disney Plus to make live-action movies that they would have never thought about in a trillion years about releasing in a box office, but just make a series of live-action movies, if not, you know, live-action specials, or maybe, like, maybe a six-episode, you know, miniseries, if you could differentiate those from, like, the Marvel on Disney Plus brand that they already have going with the bigger characters. I mean, I think the the possibilities are endless. I think... um, Animated may be the way to go with some of that stuff because I, I just think people are more likely to watch an animation that they're unfamiliar with rather than live action because you don't want it to look like it was like made for TV like this is a lifetime you know Marvel movie but on Disney Plus or what or whatever but I think I mean I think anything you can imagine them making now I think is possible and they have a lot of properties. Uh, a lot. Same same thing with the uh, uh, Warner Brothers. They have a lot of properties they can work with, and uh, they're well. I think Warner Brothers DC does uh, dabble into a lot more than Marvel does, uh, but I think the success of Eternals will also point uh, or guide them into delving into properties they're not even considering right now. Uh, you know, Shang Chi was also another property where uh, 10, 15 years ago they probably wouldn't have touched that. Uh, they're gonna be like, yeah, this is a character nobody knows. We don't want to go into it, but it proved to have done well. Same thing with all the Silver Screen uh, or I'm sorry, Netflix uh, things they did. You know, they proved Jessica, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, and those are second, second in the Marvel you know universe. They're second rate characters. Wherein, you know, they, they did a really great job on there. I, I hate to put Daredevil in that same well. Daredevil is still tier one character, tier one, tier one point five, uh, comparative to the Avengers and everything. So, uh, you know, they were able to pull that off. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, you know, DC's done a great job on their silver screen. They've they've brought in characters that we would have never thought about. Um, everybody in the Flash universe is there. You know, Arrow. They did a great job with Arrow. Uh, I mean. <laughs> um, I was going to say Gotham, but, you know, I, I stopped watching Gotham after season one, so that kind of... <laughs> I stopped watching it after episode one. I think there was, like, something with, like, a guy was killing people with weather balloons, and I was done. Um, I think uh, Gotham had potential. Uh, the fact that they didn't bring in Batman uh, until... I don't know if they ever brought him in because I stopped following it. Uh, I think that hurt the show. That, that show would have done a lot better if they had Batman in there. Or even Robin. You know, if they brought Robin in there. Well, I mean, Br- Bruce Wayne was in there, right? He's just a, a little kid. Correct. Um, right. Or they, they could have made the story, the background story of Bruce Wayne becoming Batman as well, which they didn't delve too much into. Uh, or they waited too long. I don't know if they did eventually do that or not. But for me, it didn't happen soon enough for me to continue watching Gotham. Uh, I was disappointed that Birds of Prey went away. So, you know. But then again, uh, I didn't get to watch it that often. I hope so. Uh, one thing I will say about 
DC Silver Screen is my daughter was interested in, you know, she was always, because it tied her really well with Supergirl, you know, she got into everything else as well. Uh, and she's not, she's not really into, you know, into the comic book world as we are. Yeah. And, and, and TV is still a lot more accessible and especially like, you know, basic cable networks like CW, um, it's it's still more accessible than than films or especially like pay service streaming service stuff like that so i can definitely see someone getting into it from supergirl or arrow or especially flash um and and i know that like there's some comic fans that they get annoyed because they're like oh this is for this has a lot of teen angst in it or whatever it's like okay well they watch tv too so you know there's just there's so much to choose from nowadays it's just you can't if if your favorite character is being made accessible to other people and you don't like all the creative decisions uh there's plenty else just to go watch i mean you kind of have to think of it that way like just don't get offended it's kind of like i keep making that joke about you know if if lost boys gets remade your childhood is not erased like you can still play it on on vhs laserdisc dvd like your character still exists if they make like a bad spider-man movie spider-man still exists if if they make a superman tv show and you don't like the actor uh you know you can watch whatever iteration of superman there is and there are many 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 iterations now if you were like the world's largest why the last man fan and you don't like the casting of your round i get it but then at that point you just got to be glad that it ever got made once <laughs> period and we and and we've said this before but we have to just be really happy that comic book movies and their translation to comic books translation to movies survived that leaking of like the 1994 fantastic four vhs tape <laughs> like that that's like we that's a miracle that that happened and we just need to take that as a sign to where nothing's ever going to be that bad again and we have to take it as a sign to just like if you don't like something don't go on the internet and ruin it for everyone just move on to the next thing yep. it, you know <laughs> you, you you brought up uh why the last man i saw the first with three episodes of it mm-hmm. two episodes, first or three episodes and uh, loved it. I was looking forward to the next episode. I completely forgot why The Last Man was a TV show because I don't watch Hulu enough. Yeah. I think that might be the downfall of uh, that show because we're not on that platform as often. And it, it's, it, it might get uh, bogged down and we might forget about it. It's unfortunate. The, the, best show I've, the best show I've seen in the last year is on Hulu. And, you know, no one's watching it. And that's Reservation Dogs. It's incredible. It's an yeah. amazing. It's an amazing comedy co-produced by Taco Atiti. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, and this is something that Hulu or Disney Plus, which is which is very surprising that Disney not doing this. Um, you know, they're offering Disney Plus at five dollars a month or six dollars or something like that uh, at, at the same rate as what they're offering Hulu mm. uh, ad free, and wherein. Hulu's, I, I think it's it's a little left behind where, uh, or I, of course you can pay the higher rate and you know you get it ad free, but uh, 
at a certain point, when you've introduced people to paying only five dollars uh, for for a streaming service, nobody wants to pay ten dollars for a streaming service they can get it for five. And adding advertisement in there, I think it's kind of it's left a hula in the dust a little bit, in, in my opinion, at least. And it's unfortunate because they do have good shows, like you said, Reservoir Dog. I'm I'm not watching it because one, I don't go on Hulu anymore, uh, even though I haven't. And same thing with uh, Why the Last Man. I would have loved to have continued. I'm still going to continue because yeah. I think it's a great show. It's a great book. If you, for the audience out there, if you haven't read the book, read the book uh, and watch the show. They're both. It's really good. I, I still can't wait till they make Saga into a TV show. Oh my gosh! Don't even toy with my emotions. You uh, kidding that, me? They, like, they may have to go animated with that. And uh, I, they, I think you go animated with it. I yeah. really do. I just really think you go animated series with it. Yeah, they. they I don't think they can do unless they go cheesy. Uh, you know. 1960s Doctor Who style and ruined the entire franchise. <laughs> uh, yeah, they've got to go animated with it. There's, there's too much involved and too many different worlds uh, that they do need to do it in a fashion where I don't think live action can do it. Unless they do movies, but that's that's not going to do it justice. Because what happens if they try to go like live action and Lion Cat ends up looking like the Cats musical from last year? <laughs> Just say no. Yeah, see? Miss Jen, what do you think? Animated or live action for Saga? Um, I don't think you can do it well. Live action? I think you would have to find the perfect director and make it in one of these like throwback 80s style, almost like Turbo Kid or something in that vein, uh, where you have like that post-punk pop, you know, like 80s vibe and maybe like 80s type soundtrack. I mean, you, you would have to go very like niche with it. You can't just go, hey, we're going to do Firefly, but this guy's got horns and this lady has wings. OK, go. Like you can't really, you couldn't really do that, right? Like you, you're you're at such a risk. There's so many wild characters, and as much as I would love to see what uh, a Prince Robot the Fourth live action looks like, I just, ugh, I don't know. I, I mean, it, it would be awesome, but but at the same time, I just, I would just go animated. Animated would be safe. So can, can we toss a conspiracy out there? Yeah. The, re- the reason the last three years there was no saga is because they were working on a script. Okay. I'd be happy with that. I'd be fine with that. <laughs> Me too. I, I, I just think after seeing the success of the Invincible cartoon on Amazon Prime, I just think you go 30-minute animated. Yep. Okay. I mean, maybe... And, and maybe that... Um, and it's creator-owned, so I know that they have a deal with, with Kirkman that they may not necessarily have with Image, but I would almost just pitch it as that, like, Image, your thing could be animated. Like, you might, you know, like, if, if you develop, like, well, other Image properties, just throw them out there and, like, just do do animated series geared towards, you know, more mature comic-reading audience. I think that could be it. Image has said that they're no way at all involved with um, creator-owned properties. They, right. Yeah, so yeah, there won't be anything uh, universal as far as Image is concerned. Um, mm-hmm. 
because they, they just say, hey, you know what, uh, the movie deals and everything, that's between the creators and the movie studios. Um, so there won't be anything universal, but yeah, I do like your point. You're like, hey, you know, uh, Kirkman's proved, hey, animation works. Why don't we just, everybody else, stick with the same thing? Um, in that same tone, um, I think Jupiter's Legacy would have done a little bit better if it was uh, animated. I don't know. I love the live action. I was really stunned when they said they were going to do another. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't enjoy the comic book itself personally, so I couldn't stick with the show either. So uh, I was hoping the TV show would uh, pull me in a little bit further, but it, it, I couldn't even get into the episode one. <laughs> it's unfortunate. My phone is just about ready to die. Oh, oh. so. You want to go comics? Throw out some comics quick. I don't you think know, it's gonna be far. <laughs> yeah, I've honestly have not looked at what's coming out this week either. So there's good stuff. Uh, there's always good stuff, no matter what. Every week, there's always good stuff coming out. So. Well, I'll throw out a, a few. You know, we got uh, Amazing Spider-Man seventy-six. We have the the last and final, if I'm not mistaken, Immortal Hulk number fifty. We have Kang the Conqueror number three. I really see Kang heating up on the uh, secondary market. I don't know about you guys if people are asking about him or, or trying to figure out where to start with Kang the Conqueror before uh, it really gets going in um, the MCU, which may happen at some point. In the Eternals, I mean, I think, I mean, at some point we're going to have to see him pop up and been rumored in Ant-Man and he's going to be, you know, the next big bad after Thanos. So uh, we got I Am Batman number two, Future State Gotham number six, Blue and Gold number three, Shang-Chi number five. Uh, from Dark Horse, we have Maze Book number two. Uh, we got a number one from Star Wars uh, from Marvel, The High Republic Trail of the Shadows, first issue. From Image, we have Homesick Pilots, number 10. From Boom, we have Power Rangers, number 12. Uh, we have the Batman and Scooby-Doo Mysteries, number 7. And I see Scooby-Doo next to Bat-Hound, and uh, I must purchase this book. That's all I can tell you. Uh, we got Pennyworth, number 3. Darkhold, Iron Man, number 1. Eternals, speaking of them, Eternals Forever, number 1. Uh, Hardware Season 1, Number 2 from Milestone. From Dark Horse, we have Unbelievable Unteens, Number 3. Say that 19 times fast. We have Black Panther Legends, Number 1. And Miss Marvel, Marvel Tales, Number 1. So uh, kind of uh, just throwing out a, a lot of various stuff. Don't see a whole lot of Number 1s. Have we kind of chilled out on having uh, 19 Number 1s each week or... Um, there are some independent number ones. Um, I'm not sure if there are very many Marvel ones. Uh, Chicken Devil comes out this week as well, right, Miss Jen? Oh, she's gone. <gasps> we lost her. Uh oh, we went. <laughs> I, I rambled on too much. Oh well. Um, so we do. Speaking of James Bond, Brandy, we do have James Bond Hameros number one. Yes. Um, we were talking about, you know. With comics, you're allowed to do stuff you can't do in film. And, and, you know, as far as, like, you don't have to worry about the the main demographic or it costing you box office bucks to tell a story that maybe uh, wouldn't fly past executives. So 
uh, I, I'd probably be like better served just to read James Bond comics and stuff. I think, I think they might be like thinking outside the box more. Yep. Um, I agree with you. Um, and they get to explore a lot more as well. You know, where in a movie, they're limited to their two and a half, three hours or whatever they want to run the movie. Comic books, they can go six, eight, ten issues and tell a story and get dive deeper into the story than uh, they could have in a, in a movie. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think you should uh, consider that. Uh, and actually, after I said that, I see further down the list, we have from Dark Horse, No One Left to Fight to number one, and then from Zinoscope, Rise of the Djinn, number one, and from Scout, Ninja Scouts number one yes uh, so yeah there's there's i i don't well, what that, i'm gonna ask you like a really crazy question and you you know you can just throw out a number or just say i don't know what do you think the most as a as a fan of comics i know you're a retailer but like what do you think personally the most single issues that you've bought in one week on a Wednesday has ever been. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Um, see, th- th- that's complicated because I, every week I'm walking home anywhere from half a short box to a full short box. Woo. Um, uh, because just, and this is, this is a bad habit, which I've been trying to kick like amazing spider 76. It's coming out with the what, 10 covers. I'm probably walking, I don't know, I'm just exaggerating, but there probably might be 10 covers. I'm probably walking home with four different covers of it. Yeah. Uh, in fact, you know, the Gleason cover I love, so I actually ended up picking up two copies of it. Uh, I think it's a beautiful cover. Any, anytime you put Spider-Man Mary Jane on the cover, you've got me hooked. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the Spider-Man Mary Jane relationship. Um, so that kind of doubles up that issue. But still, you know, I'm walking home. There have been times where they've actually I've gone over a over a short box where they've had a short box and a half for me. So uh, that's a bad thing in my in my personal collection. That hurts my wallet a lot. <laughs> and your personal space. Where do you put all that? <laughs> oh boy. Well, okay. And I kid you not. Um, there is a space in our second store, which has become a storage, which has boxes of my comic books in it. My garage is uh, which I was converting into a studio. It's got boxes of comic books. Mm-hmm. Uh, my attic, which I was supposed to empty out and put into my garage, still got comic books in it. Uh, boxes of comic books. My office, we have. Uh, I, you know, where I work, I've got they've got warehouse space, and I've got a little dedicated space in there with boxes of comic books. So I've got I've got a lot of boxes of comic books and. Uh, in fact, one of the things I'm doing is I'm trying to catalog everything I can on the CLZ app, and you know, hopefully I can slowly bring that down. Yeah, I do have way too many complex. I've been collecting way too long. Do you, do you? So I've been playing around with uh, Kyle and I guess everyone else's favorite key collector comics, and I say that you know jokingly, but like and and CLZ. But I almost feel like there should be like a third app that takes elements of both of those because clc i've been trying to catalog my collection and it just seems like difficult because you can't scan and then and like the interface of the app you have to keep like hitting plus plus and like just kind of scroll through it and and pinch and zoom and it's like i wish there was an easier way to do all this well you can scan uh you can scan the barcode uh, you can't scan the entire cover but you can scan the barcode on clz you can scan yeah 
download their CLZ Berry app. Okay. Uh, it's an add-on to their other app. And you just scan and it just sends it to your CLZ account. Um, for me, I actually went the desktop route. I preferred the oh. desktop route. So I bought the CLZ desktop app and I like it. Um, you know, I can just do a barcode scanner, which you can buy for anywhere from $20 to $100, depending on how, what kind of quality you want. And just sit there and scanning. Just uh, The problem I have is uh, I just have way too many. And I, I'm trying to organize at the same time and trying to do other things at the same time as well. So uh, I, I Zap, Zap, is it Zap Pow, uh, they have a really good uh, app as well. In fact, if I hadn't already started on CLZ, I would have gone with them because I like their... Um, their price guide structure is a little bit better than CLZ uses uh, Go Collect, which they're currently having problems with as well. But uh, uh, Zap Power, is it Zap Power or Zap Power? I forgot what it's called, but you can look that up. Um, so there, there, there are other options other than Key, key Collector. I, I think it's developing, but it's still lacking as far as collection is concerned. Um, I know you can add your titles, but I, I, I think the database for CLZ is much bigger. And with, uh, yeah, like you, you mentioned the, the pricing on CLZ, and it always, it's weird because it asks you if your comic is, is raw or slabbed. Correct. And then even when you pick, even when you pick raw, it like tries to default you to like an 8.0 slabbed, which as you know, is not going to be the same as like, an 8.0 raw and it's just it's a raw comic so which it's is weird that it can't just pull previously sold prices from ebay or something <laughs> because it's, that's not what it's doing what it's doing is getting pricing from go collect go collect right. monitors uh graded comics they don't they don't monitor raw comics right but i guess what i'm saying is that instead of pulling from go collect they should pull from ebay <laughs> And that's, uh, and I think we've discussed this in the previous show, that's almost impossible to do now mm -hmm. uh, because of the filters that you have to use. But you would actually literally have to have somebody sit down there, look at every, like, let's go back to Invincible. Uh, you know, if you do a search on eBay for sold items for Invincible number one, you will get so many different comic books. Uh, you'll get Invincible Iron Man number one. You'll get Invincible uh, number one from 2003. You'll get Invincible number one that was reprinted. The local comic shop day so it's hard to identify because the sellers on ebay they'll use all the keywords on every single listing um, and if you put image comics 2003 invincible number one robert kirkman down there your search down so finite that you you won't get all the results uh, so that's a little bit more complicated to do um, which is why, I, and I, which is why I think Go Collect is also one of the reasons why they're behind on getting their grades uh, and their pricing up to date is because they're they're filtering out that stuff. I, yeah. I don't think CLZ can do that with the hundreds of thousands of books. They, they I, I know we couldn't do it. Uh, we were trying to write a program to try to get pricing off of it. There's definitely no way we can do it. Uh, there, there's just not enough commonality in there. I know eBay is trying to get uh, people to start putting standard terms where you put the upc code in there but nobody does it in their listing they, they want to do the quick list and that's it they, nobody wants to put in the upc codes nobody wants to put in uh you know the series data and all of that um, but you know you do raise a very good point what and I, i've heard a lot of retailers argue this as well 
if I have a raw 9.8, why is that different than what CGC uh, graded 9.8 is? All the difference is is a slab and some uh, some independent service saying, hey, yeah, this is a 9.8. And they put in a piece of plastic, a big plastic case, and they say, hey, this is a 9.8. The biggest difference is a large plastic case. That's it. Um, which you get for 20 to $30. But the value differs between a raw and a graded comic so vast, it should only be $30 difference. In reality, you know, if you inspect a book and you say, yeah, this is a 9.8 book, I don't care if it's CGC saying it or if it's CBCS saying it or if it's, you know, Joe Blow saying it, it's still going to be a 9.8 book. The well, the problem, the problem with that is there's some Joes out there, and you can clearly see it on eBay. They'll be listing, um, you know, whatever a hot comic is that week, and it's clearly got like a ding corner, and they go 9.8 question mark CGC it, CGC yeah. ready, and then you can totally see like a, a spine discoloration or whatever. So, I, I agree with you there, hundred uh, percent. But that's that, you know that's why you inspect what you buy. And yeah. I, in fact, you know, I, I got burnt. Uh, there was a retailer on uh, on eBay that sold uh, that was selling Amazing Spider-Man 121. Listed at um, uh, 8.5. I bought it, and I have a habit of doing this. And in fact, Miss Jen, if she was on, she would vouch. Uh, I got a box from her from 2019 that I just opened like two weeks ago, uh, and I did the same thing there. I got it. I'm like, all right, sweet, it's delivered. I didn't even open the box for months. Because I'm like, yeah, it's you know, and that's my fault. I should have opened it and inspected it. That was not a that was not an eight point five, and this is a retailer. That's one of the reasons why I didn't open it. I'm like, this is a retailer with good ratings and everything, um, and he he says eight point five is probably an eight point five. It wasn't. Um, it, it came. I got it graded. Came back at six point oh. Uh, so wow. grading is subjective. I agree with it. But if you really want a true raw copy. It, Go down to the store. You you go in there. You inspect it yourself, and you say, "Hey, yeah, this is a nine point eight. I'll pay the nine point eight price." At that point, there should be no differential between a, a nine point eight CGC graded and a nine point eight raw, because you're you know if you're at a convention, you're looking at it. It's it is the same exact book. The only difference is there's some a big piece of plastic and a label that says this is a nine point eight, and which costs about thirty dollars to put on. There. I, I like it for verification purposes, but uh, of course you're not going to be worried about a comic from like 2019 being like a forged comic, but you might be worried about, you know, a comic from 1951 or something. Absolutely. And Absolutely. So, so, so then you're just looking for, and, and especially being a trading card collector, I think it's really more pertinent in that industry to, to have something verified by PSA or Beckett. Correct. Um, but yeah, no, I get what you're saying. And also, um, you know, people unfortunately are not above uh, swapping out comics and cards in into cases. Like they found ways to, you know, oh, I got a nine point eight sticker, but this is really like a seven. I'm just going to slab it, <laughs> you know, in my garage and seal it back up. And you can even see like some eBay postings that have been called out that have had like Scotch tape you know, taping it back together. <laughs> so yeah, either way, what we're saying is just be really careful. <laughs> right, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and also collect what you like too. You know, if, if you're looking to flip and stuff, I'm not going to stop people from trying to make money, but uh, if you're in a store and you're buying like something for a collection, uh, 
Does it really matter if you get a 9.8? Correct. I mean, if you're, if you're going to keep it, you know. At the end of the day, a comic book is, is to be read. Yeah. <laughs> it's something you yeah. enjoy. Um, and I'm, I'm partially guilty of this as well. Uh, we've gotten into the habit of, I, I don't want to ruin this just because, you know, this could be worth a lot of money later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, there are times when I haven't read them. I'm like, hey, I'll wait till the trade. I still have them. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you a very... Um, I, I bought a collection, I would say about 15, maybe 20 years ago, of Wolverine number one through, I believe it's 150. I can't remember what it was. Uh, it was a long box, almost entirely full. It had the limited series, the one through four, and everything in there. And these were these were crisp when I bought them. I mean, these were clean, no stress marks, nothing like that. They had been in those, they have never been taken out of that box. And I finally decided a couple of weeks ago, uh, hey, why don't I just get those graded? You know, at least a limited series, uh, issues number one through three, let me get those graded. I went there to pull those out, and issue numbers two, three, and four of the limited series all have stress marks. Uh. These are books that have not been taken out of that box, but there was just enough gap in that box that when we were moving the boxes around and stuff, they shifted and they got damaged sitting in the box. Uh, never been touched. I mean, even the person who bought them, uh, you know, he was very, very careful. And I remember zero stress marks on that. That's why I was happy to buy that collection for what I bought it for back then. Uh, I'm, I'm a little disappointed that, so having it slabbed for that reason is great, you know, uh, just to have it, it. Now I know exactly what it is. Uh, at least it's protected and now I won't have to worry about it. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I get my books slapped. But they are designed to be read. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be reading comic books. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I agree. I still don't know what we're supposed to be doing with trading cards um, <laughs> other than just look at them. So I, I feel like trading cards probably lend themselves better to be slabbed just because I, if I'm looking at it anyway, I might as well know that I'm not hurting it. But yeah. Right. Um, but I, I like a well-read collection. Like, you know, there, there's certain... Like, I'm collecting the full run of, of G.I. Joe, and part of the reason I'm doing that is because a lot of those books, you know, I, I was bought, I bought or was given, like, at the age of, you know, between, like, 10 and 14. So, it brings back memories to see, like, your own copies of stuff, and obviously, those are before the bag and board technology that we had today. And I'm being a little bit facetious because I just found out there's like three or four different types of modern bags and boards, and I was confused. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) it's like, how many do we really need? But that's just like top loaders and trading cards and 35 point, 68 point, 92 point, 118 point, 152 point, things like that. Also, uh, Mylar bags look a lot prettier which can be a detriment. Uh, they can make a, a bad comic look really clean. <laughs> uh, Mylar bugs also have a little bit of a problem because they're they're stiff. Uh, and once you try to take out a book, you could damage it as well. Yeah, uh, I did not so, know that. Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, and, and can be done with any bags and boards, but because they're so stiff sometimes. Uh, um, but again, that could be set up any board, bag and board, I guess, I suppose. I, I like slabs. They take up a lot of space, but I, I get nervous with some of my books that they're going to get damaged over time. So that that's what I'm going to decide. I'm, I'm going to pick like 20 and, and get them slab. But then I'm also nervous about mailing them there. That's the thing. It's like if oh, you don't man. live by a, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> especially nowadays, you know. Because yeah. CGC does not, 
immediately put them into their catalog. Uh, so you don't know what they, you know, what they received or whether it's gotten there. And uh-huh. It always also worries me that you don't know if they got damaged during shipment at all. You, you won't know that until the book gets graded. And nowadays they're taking, you know, three, four, five months to get graded. Um, and that's also a liability on for us as well, because we we are a submission center at our store, so people come in to submit their books with us as well, and um, you know we're sort of guaranteeing that we're we've never had a problem so far. You know we've never had a problem shipping it out. We had a few books come back that were damaged, but CEC replaced the casing for them immediately. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard to right now. I've got uh, at least four or five shipments of uh, I'd say at least. Three, four hundred bucks sitting in CGC that I have no idea when we're going to get back. Um, we've got about uh, three, four hundred trading cards at least that are there. At least again, I'm, I, there's probably more than that, but that I can think of. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where the greeting industry goes uh, after everyone kind of gets caught up because PSA is still not really open to submissions, and uh, CSBC and CGC. Uh, uh, they have just really long wait times uh, versus what people were used to uh, two years ago. So it'll be able to be interesting because, yeah. There there are new companies out there as well that are starting to grade uh, cards. Uh, mm-hmm. But what I've noticed also already is they're starting to raise their prices as well. Oh, yeah. And they're, you know, I, I don't, I don't see a reason why they should be charging $30, $35 a card to grade. Uh, that, that, but yeah, it, uh, it was yeah, so, yeah, supply and demand, and that's what you know drove up a lot of their prices because these companies that really weren't on anyone's radar, I mean PSA and Beckett were closed, so they just like jumped on. Uh, well, do you have anything, uh, anything else comics wise you want to throw out there, or just uh, encouraging people to go explore and. Go through back issues in person. <laughs> Even the new issues, like I said, uh, there's always every week we have some new books coming out. Unfortunately, I really haven't had the time to look at this week's list yet. Um, yeah, a little bit busy. So, uh, but the, you know, just go out there, just read, ah, just read whatever you want. Just go, you know, um, just walk in, ra- pick up a random book, and say, "Hey, I want to buy this," and check it out. <laughs> yeah, and. And dig through the uh, dig through like the dollar bins. That's where you find some of the best stuff. Yep, I just the, the older stuff, stuff that you you maybe missed a few years back, or or stuff from like the seventies and eighties that cost a few bucks now. Just like the nostalgia of it, the the feel of those those comics on that paper stock. Yep, back uh, in the, what was it back in in the eighties? DC came out with a book called Thriller. Um, most nobody's ever heard of it. It was a twelve issue miniseries. Um, I got it in one of those bundles. I, I can't remember how I got issue number one. I got very intrigued. I'm like, oh, this is actually a really good story. I want to know what happens to the rest. I spent years trying to find the rest of the ser- uh, issues for that. I finally found them. Uh, I found them. I think I found them on eBay. Uh, somebody had the entire run. I bought it and never finished reading that damn story. <laughs> 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 but to this day, I remember it. I'm like, man, that book. I, it just caught me. I was just like, and I don't even remember why I, I was so caught up in that book. It's just, I, it just, yeah, I was like, yeah, I got to read the rest of this. And I never did. But uh, to your point, yeah, go go jump into those dollar bins. You never know what you'll find. 
just pick up a random book and see you know, if you like it or you don't. Well, uh, thanks, Brainy, for, for that advice. And thanks to uh, Miss Jen for earlier and telling us about New York Comic Con. And hopefully uh, Kyle and everyone else will be back next week uh, on Nerd News Now. And thank you for watching and listening to Nerd News Now, part of the Kingdom of Geekdom on Woodlands Online, sponsored by the Adventure Begins Comics and Games and Space Cadets Collection Collection. Check out their other shows on Woodlands Online, like Music Cafe, the Adventure Begins show, Woodlands House and Home, The Best You, Between the Trees, Business Talk, and much more. You can watch these on Woodlands Online and our partner station, KBQTHD21, over the air on your television. All these shows are more on Roku right now. Just search and add Woodlands Online Television to your streaming lineup, and you can listen to the podcast versions of our show on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. We'll see you next time on Nerd News Now.